So how does this work? Well, I've got a written synopsis, which I basically I do at my lunch hour at work. And Adam more or less interrupts me whenever he wants. Which is a lot. And by the time we're done with the synopsis, we're done with the issue, and therefore done with the episode. So interruptions are fine. <laughs> and since you obviously aren't familiar with the tropes of the... The character. In other words, don't know dick about Quasar or the show or anything like that. Yeah. Or what the word trope means. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just feel free to jump in whenever you want. Cool. Wendell Vaughn, the first Earthman ever appointed protector of the universe, bonded to the energy-transforming quantum bands that are both weapons and symbols of his station. He fights an ongoing battle to defend all life in the universe from cosmic evil. Stanley presents Quasar. Greetings and welcome to the Quantum Cast, your source for all things Quasar. I am Gene Hendricks, and joining me, as always, is my very good friend, Mr. Adam Ward. How are you, sir? Hey. <laughs> And that giggle you heard was from our special guest, Mr. Sean Strain. Uh, I prefer chuckle. Okay. But thanks. Hi, Daddy! <laughs> giggle, giggle! Oh, yeah, it's Rob that giggles. <laughs> Only when you tickle his prostate. <laughs> what? Yikes. How many fingers does that take? No, it's <laughs> more... Uh, the boot up to the knee? Uh, the, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Boot up, uh, leg up to the knee. See the bad advice show for more of this discussion. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, since our last episode, we have had no email, not even from that guy. That guy messages me on Facebook. Well, okay, so that's why he's not emailing us. Yeah, but he, mess- but he messaged... No, I'm not talking to him. He messages me and says, hey, that's it. And then I'll respond, what's up? Question mark, nothing. Radio silence. Oh, uh, obviously someone's fallen down on the messaging job. And he said that he was going to write into the Bad Advice Show. Hasn't happened yet. That's going to be an interesting Slacker. Slacker. (laughs) All right, well, we also have no new iTunes reviews, which we haven't had new ones since uh, 2015. Uh, So maybe some of you listeners out there will be kind enough to give us a review. A five-star would be preferable, but we will take any star as long as you explain it. And then when Adam can make fun of you. Yeah, that's what I need. Give me fodder. <laughs> All right. How about we just get into the issue then? Yeah, dig it. Okay. We are dealing with Quasar, issue number 10. Cover date of May 1990. Actual on sale date, March 13th, 1990. Thank you to Mike's Amazing World Comics for that information. Our story is written by Mark Grunewald, pencils by Mike Manley, inks by Danny Bolinati and Tom W. Morgan. Letters by Jazz Chang, colors Paul Beckton, editor Howard Mackey, and the editor-in-chief is Tom DeFalco. On cover, we have Quasar, bound to a table as a Kree woman attempts to cut his hand off. The copy reads, At the mercy of Dr. Minerva, and farewell to arms? (laughs) Yeah, and when you look at this, you think to yourself, is that Carol Danvers in her original Miss Marvel costume? It does bear a striking resemblance to that. Right, and you can't really tell because there's so much quote-unquote light coming off of the laser. 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 That's spewing magma at uh, at Energy magma. Right, so it's uh, washing out all the other colors with uh, your atypical quasar quantum yellow. Yeah, everything is black, white, or yellow. Correct. So it's it's an effective cover. Black, white, or yellow. I think that's a racist joke. (laughs) 
at least one in the making. Okay, save it for the bad advice. Can we move, all right? move on? <laughs> all right. All right. Inside we have the title, Cree for All. <laughs> uh. Waka, waka, waka. <laughs> then things start to get kinky, as Quasar has an alien woman named Half-Life bound with his quantum energy. Mm -hmm. Realizing that her power over the weak force can break down his constructs, Quasar removes her hip boots and ties her up with them. What, what is that power again that she has? She has the power over the weak atomic force. Oh, yeah, in the, in, the, in the issue, it reads uh, atomic decay powers. Yes. My, Correct. Okay, so, got so it. I know. All right, so I got this. I got this. Um, uh, poorly defined, shitty 1970s comic book villains who have atomic decay powers. Now, one of right, so bullshit. However, one of the nice things about the Quasar comics is they actually try to bring in real science and retro convert or retcon a, um, a power to make it make more sense scientifically. Okay. So what Quasar is actually saying here is, is, can't use my bands to neutralize her energy. She apparently manipulates the weak force and the decay of subatomic particles falls outside the electromagnetic spectrum, which as a former, former physics major in college, that is all absolutely true and scientifically accurate. Okay. So there's two points I want to make is we've taken a shitty 1970s generic villain and we have retconned the powers and explained them with a more scientific bend. And during this time period, remember this is 1990. Right. This is the only comic book that was actually doing it. It happens all the time now in comics, but this was the only book that was doing it at that time. And uh, frankly... I think it's pretty cool. It's one of the things that endears Quasar to Gene and myself. Oh, yeah. Um, I have no problem with that. My, my issue is, it seemed to me, not knowing that the character had existed prior to this issue. Sure, fair enough. Uh, that, um, like a lot of uh, comic book writers, and actually writers in general, I feel like the character was created specifically to battle Quasar. Like, there's no other purpose mm -hmm. for uh, a, a, a hero with um, the power of Cosmic that's like a, a, a atomic power mm -hmm. for him to have a villain that her sole power is to suck atomic energy. Right, right. You're yeah. absolutely yes. correct. That is exactly why characters like this were created. One of the things that was unique to this book is the writing staff said, well, shit, we have all of these uh, generic super bad guys that were designed exactly in the fashion that you just described. Let's just pull a not even a D-lister, an E-lister, an F-lister bad guy that and will explain away the powers in a more scientific manner, and then put them up against Quasar because that'll be a clever thing to do. Um, and I also really need to stress this was 1990. Right. This is. Very, very smart for 1990. There's no internet. Right. You know, you yeah. can't go on Wikipedia right, sure. in this day and say, oh, well, shit, what is atomic <laughs> de decay and have the answer in two or three seconds. Like, you've got to actually know something to know something about something to write something. So this is why this book, to me, has a special heart, place in my heart. Gotcha. Does that answer everyone's questions? I think so, except for one thing. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I always had the one more thing. While you were talking, I looked up this half like There were actually two... Yeah, the good 15 minutes while I was babbling on. <laughs> I had to do something. Right, sure. There were two characters that were named Half-Life. This one happens to be an extra extraterrestrial. Original first appearance, West Coast Avengers, Volume 2, Number 12, September 1986. Okay. So she's not, not been around that long. Her height is listed as 5'11". Does that count the hair? 
because she's got the uh, oh she's oh yeah because she's got the beehive like the bride of Frankenstein yeah. beehive complete with the white with thing. the white yeah. yeah does it count the four inch at least uh, heels too right because yeah. she's got the she's got the hip boots with the four inch heels on them and I like it she's in the quantum bubble that Quasar has created and the fetal position look of horror on her face as these two quantum construct pinchers come through to grab her little hiney because that's where that one is headed right so this is their end and she is just mouth wide open eyes agape terrified for her life or for her half-life <laughs> Is that what we're calling it now? <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> All right. Back to the issue. Quasar then drops her off at the vault and is observed by the people who hired Half-Life in the first place. Did, did you mention, not to cut you off, but yeah. that's what I do. Not, did you mention that the pinchers actually take off her boots? Well, I said that he removes her hip boots and ties her up with them. Okay, so I wasn't listening is what, you're, is, is, <laughs> is what, what happened. I didn't describe the quite kinky way that he ties her up with said hip boots. No, no. I don't know how you describe that with words. You just have to see it. Uh, typical porn. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know, Sean. You've seen a lot of porn. <laughs> is that typical? Yeah, that's about right. Okay. <laughs> that's why we have him on, folks. He's the expert. Okay. Next page, a half hour later, at Four Freedoms Plaza, Ken is flirting with Kayla when Linda walks in. Does he have an envelope in his mouth? Yes, he does. Okay. And I can't say anything about that because he has a briefcase in one hand, roll plans in the other, so the mail had to go somewhere. Understood. I'm part dog, so I put carry sure. things in my mouth all the time. Ken seems rather happy that they have new, new clients, hence the smile on his face. And Wendell, deciding to pass the buck, heads into his office and closes the door. Before we go into that, so... Sean, I know you haven't read the previous nine issues, but the guy gets back from deep space, decides to create a security consultant company. He buys, really, that doesn't buy, he rents, gets a two-year lease, was it? Yes. Um, in Four Freedoms Plaza, so the most expensive real estate that you could rent in Manhattan. Not to mention your insurance premiums are through the roof. Correct, and has no clients. And just recently landed one client after nine issues of not having any money coming into the house. Okay. And now he's got two employees, even with one client, and they're just hanging around, flirting in the office. I'm with you. And of course, when he wants to talk to the Avengers about how he uh, can handle his secret identity, they're all off planet. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like it was a uh, a trope to use a word. Well, it's also Mark Gruenwald at this time writing the Avengers. He was, was he? Yes, which okay. is why Quasar was on the Avengers. Understood. You no, know, my, my pet character has to be on this team. Right. So, having uh, successfully avoided work, Wendell then goes to talk to Eon very briefly and updates him on the total number of extraterrestrials that he has to locate still on the planet. So, what you're saying is he is, in a covert fashion, locating and detaining and policing extraterrestrial activity on the planet Earth. So he's a man in black. Oh, he's a man in red, blue, and yellow. Yeah, <laughs> right. Which is which is the used to be the new black. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Later that day. Wait, wait! You're not. You're going to gloss right over uh, the TSR ad. <laughs> it's forgotten realms. Forgotten. Don't say it's just forgotten. Realms. I didn't say just. I just said it's forgotten realms. It's forgotten realms, and they finally converted it so that you could play in the forgotten realms world when you play Dungeons and Dragons. Sean, are you excited? Uh, yeah. Raging boner. 
<laughs> Somehow I don't feel that you're serious. When you say that. Okay, we'll move on to page six. Fine. Uh, well, do you want, want me to keep going, or do you want to roll for Fabio some more? Oh, Fabio! <sighs> Iron sword. No, no. Let's keep on moving. We've got okay. shit to do. Later that day, having decided that his business isn't worth doing any work for, Quasar is out over the ocean looking for some aquatic ETs and complaining about Enoch, which is... What he does. It's what he does. At least he's not complaining about his dad this time. Right. But his dad is a dick, so... His, just his dad's best friend. Right. <laughs> I hope his dad dies of a stroke. I mean... I mean, that, that doesn't happen in this issue, does it? <laughs> no. Okay. After several hours with no results, Quasar heads back to his father's house and collapses. Later that night, as you can tell because the moon is rising over three battles. I see that. I see that. Uh, two figures make their way in through the window, and one of them, the doctor maneuver from the cover, shoots him with a synaptic disruptor gun while showing off how her maiden form, form bra is working. <laughs> yeah, they, she sneaks right in like the tooth fairy, doesn't yeah. she? <laughs> That's it. I make a boob joke, and it's just going to fall flat. Okay. I, I, I laughed. Did you hear me laugh? <laughs> the other, Captain Atlas, carries the unconscious Quasar away. Mm -hmm. The pair head to their spaceship where Quasar is strapped to an examination table. <laughs> Atlas leaves to get the ship underway, while Minerva starts her examination by activating the synaptic disruptor ray, which I assume is a big form of gun she just had, to keep Quasar unconscious. Right. She also mentions that he's quite pleasing to look at for an Earther. Meaning he has pink skin. Right. Well, you know what they say, once you go blue, there's no other, no other will do. <laughs> She's Cree, after all. Yes. Well, aren't there pink Crees as well? They are, but they're the minority and looked down upon by the superior blue race. Ah. <laughs> That's racist. Always, it always is racist. Back to skin colors. <laughs> it is racist. They're the whole storyline about how the pink Cree were uh, uh, looked down upon. All right. She, after some examination, determines that there is no way to remove the quantum bands. This is a probe, just lubrication. Yeah, she does. Go back to the porn thing. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> So she decides to cut off Quasar's hands and scoop out the material inside the quantum bands. And that seems to be the most logical choice. Now, I think we glossed over why they're doing this. Um, in the previous page, um, Captain Atlas says, and that was the male Kree's thing, yes. the Earthers are a dangerous and unstable lot, Doctor. You of all people should know that working among them in secret for so long. Unstable emotionally and mutagenically. A dangerous combination. Give me a simple shape-shifting scrawl to one of these unpredictably powerful Earthers any day. See, the whole reason why they're doing this is back in this time period, there was a whole thing going on with Kree, in that they had hit an evolutionary standstill. They could no longer, they were locked in, they couldn't evolve anymore, they'd reached their highest Pokemon form, if you will. There was no Cree superior race. Correct. Well, there was, yes, there was, but they've already attained that and what's right. next. And so there was a lot of uh, resources plowed into uh, into the Cree military to find a way to break this evolutionary deadlock. And that's why Dr. Minerva's here on Earth was to find a way to get them to continue to evolve. Right. So, as she starts to cut his arm with a laser... We... Wait, 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 you passed over something else. Come on, what? now. Yeah, I thought you, you're supposed to be the good one here. Remember, uh, okay, so, <clears throat> they're talking on page 12. Yeah. Atlas says, don't give me that look. Do you really think those wristbands he wears are the legendary power bands of Rin? According to lore, they, they were last seen in the vicinity 
or this vicinity several millennia ago. Century 213, I believe it was, recovered it and put it into a weapons depot somewhere in this system. Now, remember, sea quasar issue number two. Episode two, right? Because in issue two, they're on Uranus. Waka, waka, waka. And we missed that last episode. I know. We make our Uranus joke. I know. I know. It's so disappointing. That guy's going to be mad. He's going to write another letter. Um, so, episode two, Uranus. The bands, there was a Cree century head there yes. on that planet. So that jives with that. So it's almost like there was an actual continuity, like they were thinking ahead when they were planning this shit, or at the very least reading the back issues versus just plowing forward the storyline. Right. Um, he further goes on to say, I studied galactic weaponry at the academy. You know, because you know, he doesn't. As I recall, my professor ranked the power bands right up there with the soul gems, which are now known as the Infinity Gems. And they will come into play a little while later in Quasar. Correct. The Skrullian Cube, which I'm assuming is a reference to the Cosmic Cube. I would think so. Right. And the Ultimate Nullifier, which is a weapon that Galactus has. Which also comes into play later on in Quasar. Correct. Correct. So I just think that's important to note that now in Quasar, we're starting to not only continue to define what his power sets are, but we're starting to see exactly how powerful he is and where he ranks in the cosmic pantheon. Yes. That's all I need to say. Oh, okay, so I can keep going there? Yeah, no, no it's, okay. it's all you, pal. Oh, wait, there's one. No. <laughs> As she starts to cut his arm with the laser, we jump inside Quasar's mind where he's dreaming that he's been buried on the beach by Kayla and Ken, who then run off. Hand in hand. Yes. Wendell feels something bite his arm and imagines that it's a crab. Crab, though, transforms into Eon, which is a rather disturbing image, who informs his champion that he's about to lose his left arm. Quasar uses the quantum bands to blast beams in random directions, knocking out the ray, keeping him helpless, and destroying one of Minerva's underwires. <laughs> which is what he did to Modam in the last issue. Yes! Quasar frees himself and bubbles Minerva while he goes to check out the rest of the ship. He's ambushed by Atlas, who, stupidly, fires a weapon that breaches the hull. Yeah, you would think if he was, a, you know, one of the decorated captains in the Kree army, he would know not to fire a weapon. No shoot laser beam in space canoe! <laughs> Futurama, get it? You get it? No, you don't. Didn't he take a weapons course at the academy that would have told him this? Yeah, seriously, <laughs> he spent too much time in that one class learning about universal weapons. <laughs> Atlas is blown out into hyperspace. Please note, I say blown into hyperspace, not sucked, as they say in the comic, because that's how it works. <laughs> the atmosphere blows you out of the ship. Oh, wait, you didn't mention, you missed this on page 19. Sorry, Doctor, but you're going to have to prescribe a greater threat than that to phase me. Doctor, prescribe. Waka, waka, waka! <laughs> oh, speaking of waka, waka, did you hear that they canceled the Muppets? Yes. See, I'm a little disappointed, but did you, did you watch the show? I did. It wasn't that good. I liked it. I, mean, I it was okay. I, didn't. I watched the first, like, four issues. Uh, well, you thought it was too dull. I thought it was not Muppets. I thought it was just, it was, let's take generic office comedy and throw the Muppets into it. Okay. It didn't jive with them. I mean, I okay. there are instances where the Muppets work with real life and stuff, but just saying... This is a, a formula that's worked on this show, this show, and this show. Let's just do the exact same thing, but with Muppets. Okay, I see. I see your point about like the like talking to the camera a bit. Like it felt like The Office. It felt like right. The TV show, that's the exactly office. what it was. I get that. I still feel like 
if you look at the old show where they were mm-hmm. doing a variety show, all the backstage stuff that they were doing on that show, 30 years later, almost 40 years later, I think it, it was a direct connection to that. Yeah, and if if we saw the on-screen stuff more, like in the original Muppet show, I would be happy with all that backstage stuff going on right. if that wasn't the show. Because the whole point of the Muppet show is you saw the stage production. Right. You saw the numbers and everything as well as the backstage. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying, but I think that they were trying to merge the Muppets, the old show, with The Office, with 30 Rock. Because 30 Rock was about these people trying to put on a show, and you only saw very brief snippets of the fart doctor or whatever lame ass. I mean, I mean, it was intentionally lame sure. stuff that was going on. So that's what I think they were trying to do, and it just I wanted it to work. I mean, it was I oh, was yeah. super I, excited. I, I don't want any Muppets property to fail. I love <laughs> right. the Muppets, right? But it just it was a little too generic, really. Yeah, it just it wasn't as good as you would have liked it to have been. Yeah. Anyway, back to the comics. So yes. Captain Atlas is being blown, yes, not sucked. Through the thing, almost like, almost like the end of Evil Dead Two, where Ash summons, right. and he's like, oh, and a sad music plays as it tumbles <laughs> towards the opening. Yes, yeah. I thought that would have gotten a bigger laugh. Oh well, <laughs> the listeners are rolling right now. I'm sure it's because they're driving. <laughs> it's great, right? <laughs> I make myself laugh. <laughs> So, Quasar seals the breach and returns to Minerva, who tells him her backstory. Right, right. He says, says, we don't have, uh, we can't, uh, he can't have, I need him. Without him, all of my years of work are in vain. Let me go, I have to rescue him. And then, so, urgency, urgency, urgency. Hold on, I want to know what's going on. So, one page, two pages, almost three pages of backstory later. Now we can go save your friend, who is in, not just deep space, hyperspace. Going into hyperactive. They've gone plaid. <laughs> so it turns out that she is a Cree who came to Earth in order to breed with Captain Marvell. That means sex. Got it. Okay. <laughs> so the Cree, as Adam said, are a dead end, genetically speaking, and Marvell, having been exposed to various mutagens over the years, which is why he died of cancer, was their only hope to move forward. I like to interrupt. <laughs> Marvell, apparently not looking at Minerva, refused. I wait for him to pause. Why do you think I paused so much? <laughs> I see how this works. <laughs> I'm starting to get it now. Yeah. <laughs> but Minerva found her a way to give herself superpowers, becoming the savior that the now dead Marvell refused to be. She was trapped on Earth, however, and needed a decree to come and pick her up. So they sent Captain Atlas, who Minerva also gave powers to, making him her ideal mate. The two planned to return to the Kree Empire, but only if they had something to enhance the popular support of their eugenics plan, which, as we know from Star Trek, eugenics plans do not go over well with the general populace. <laughs> you always have to bring Star Trek into it, don't you? Yeah. All right. <laughs> that thing would be the power bands of Rin, also known as the quantum man see earlier this episode. So, after <laughs> all of this, Quasar agrees to save Atlas and let them go back to the Kree as long as they promise to never return to Earth, ever. Cross your heart. Right. Three pages later, yeah. we actually leave the ship. Now, here's what I don't get. So he goes, they go outside. Now, the ship is traveling through hyperspace, right? Yes. So, I mean, I'm not a scientist, but I'm assuming that means fast. Depends. Oh, my God. Go ahead. It's either 
moving faster than light, or the way this seems to be is it's moving into another dimension. So, so this other dimension, the distance between point A and point B is actually less than okay. in our dimension. So this is like how uh, space travel is performed in Doom, where they just shift from one. More like in Star Wars, because in Star Wars they jump to hyperspace. Yeah. And it it looks, you know, it's a different dimension. Yeah. That actually, the best way to explain it would be the Fantastic Four's pogo plane. The way that operates is it goes up into the upper atmosphere, uh -huh. the Earth turns below it, and then it comes down. So instead of traveling over the surface of the Earth, it goes up and down. So it actually... It's like a pogo stick. Pogo plane. Well, I, get it, I get it. I get it. Don't give me that look. <laughs> that shrug my shoulders like I'm the dummy. So it, it's essentially... You can only travel west that way. Yeah, but the Earth's going to turn all the way around. Yeah, but it's going to wait 24 hours? Like, oh, I'm going to get there like tomorrow. Except the International Space Station, in one 24-hour period, sees 60 orbits around the Earth. But that's... All right, whatever. So my point <laughs> is, so they're in hyperspace. Yes. And they've left the ship. Yes. And he has an energy tether so we can get back to it. Correct. Okay. But is, like, the ship just in park? No. The ship's going to keep on going. Right. And they're just going to wander around in hyperspace. Yes. Okay. But that's why... Just making sure I understand what's happening. Uh, and you know what? You can tell they're in hyperspace because instead of being black, it's white. Yes. <laughs> All right, that's how they <laughs> illustrated it. I just want to make sure because I know you're not a big comics guy. And it's not the end of the... It's not the end of time because then it would be white with black stars. I wouldn't say I'm not a big comics guy. I'm just not a big Quasar guy. All right, that's fair enough. Or the be DC universe, it's not the beginning of time because then it would be white with a hand <laughs> grasping. <laughs> so, as you said, they leave the ship. The only way they find him is because Minerva uses her enhanced perception to find Captain Atlas, which she mentioned earlier in the issue. <laughs> Don't lean in at me like I'm an idiot. I read it. <laughs> but you didn't bring it up. You brought up every other thing I said. I was just... I wanted to give you one. <laughs> they retrieve him. His intense, Her enhanced perception also includes being able to tell how big his bank account is by the shoes that he's wearing. <laughs> the gold digger, Minerva. That's why he's an ideal mate. Yeah. Wait, wait, say that louder. I want to make him my ringtone. <laughs> What'd you say? I said, that's awesome. Yay! <laughs> Keep going, Gene. I'm done. Okay. So, <laughs> retrieve Atlas and head back to the ship. When they return, Quasar explains how that the quantum bands are bonded to him and sends them on their way after a Captain America moment. Right. <laughs> right. And this was the first time that they've actually said they're bonded to him, right? Like, uh, no, it's... That was explained in issue one because it was... They couldn't get him they off. You're right. They okay. couldn't get him off the test pilot, which is why he went nuts and blew up. Right. I gotcha. I recall. So, after that, Quasar heads back to Earth. When, when Wendell arrives at the office, he finds that a woman has come in looking for a job. Not as a new client has come in looking for a job. Well, you might as well hire somebody else to sit around the office and do nothing all day. Might as well. and Just make sure she's not wearing a wig or anything. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that out loud? What the hell does that mean? Yeah. You have to read the later issues. Oh. Uh, he, he also goes to see Eon, who says that... Good goddamn commentary, <laughs> right? <laughs> who says that it is possible to set up an automatic defense sequence with the quantum bands. Quasar says, well, why didn't you tell me that? You didn't ask! Ah, uh, you douchebag. 
We end... Mossy-covered douchebag. <laughs> we end on Quasar saying that he really needs to get his act together before the cosmic threat, quote-unquote, comes a call. Right, so he does his best to Jack Donaghy looking out the office window, staring at the cityscape, musing, but instead of being confident like Jack Donaghy, He's constantly down on himself. Yes. What could I have done better? I'm a loser. My dad doesn't love me. That kind of thing. Yes. You notice how in none of that is, oh, my business is failing. Right. <laughs> Jeez, Christmas. Well, he's like a more playful, more sarcastic Bruce Wayne in that sense. Like where Bruce Wayne would be like staring out the window and, and well, what could I have done better? Right. <laughs> but at least when the lawn has like a sense of humor. Right. Because yeah. you know what? He knows he's a loser. <laughs> And he doesn't have money like Bruce Wayne does, because Bruce Wayne goes, eh, here you go. I'm just going to throw shit at it. Oh, he's got his Avengers stipend, at well, least. Yeah, well, yeah. But, you know. As we know, having played the Avengers <laughs> using the box set and how much the stipend actually was. <laughs> uh, and then we end with a clear sill, double clear ad. It makes the leading pad just half a pad. Yes, how well those pads work that they don't exist anymore. Yeah, seriously. Well, you know, when you read comics on the old newsprint, you get all of those, all the ink on your fingers, and then if you touch your face, it gets in your pores. Yeah. So, you know, now they're creating sell, a market for yourself. Now they sell like a rotating sander that you're supposed to use on your face. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen those commercials? I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm sure that's what they're used for, too. Or that's <laughs> what they're being used for, right? <laughs> what? The same as the electric toothbrush? Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> uh, backpedaling a little bit uh, before you were talking about. Yes. Um, I'm sorry, I lost it. That's all right. Yeah, this uh, Strolian cube and the ultimate nullifier. Yeah, yeah. You were making references to the uh, the infinity stones and. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, is the scroll scroll? Yeah, can pronounce it. Strolian cube. Is that the same as the tesseract? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, Okay, uh, I'll go, and then right. you want I'll to... I'll fill in if we need. Right, or you, you could have a different opinion. So, the Cosmic Cube was the first big MacGuffin that Thanos got to take over the universe. Right. I believe the Cosmic Cube is what they're referring to when they say the Skrullian Cube. In the Marvel movies, the Tesseract is one of the Infinity Gems that back in the 70s and 80s, Marvel referred to the Infinity Gems as the Soul Gems. Same MacGuffins, just different names. So in the Marvel movies, the cube was just one of the gems. However, us fanboys saw it like, oh my god, is that the Cosmic Cube? Holy shit! But it wasn't. Now, is that your understanding yes, as well? It, it, they in the movies, it's, like Adam said, it's just one of the the gems, right. whereas really through all of Captain America and uh, Captain America, the first Avenger and the first Avengers movie, mm -hmm. I was convinced it was the Cosmic Cube because they never said anything different. It was always in this right. cube form. When did they say that it was gems? I don't remember. In Thor, the Dark World. Okay. Because they, at the end of Avengers, Thor took the Tesseract back to Asgard. They Thor the Dark World, they got, what the hell was that stuff called? The Vital Essence of the Gelflings, I don't know, the yeah. Dark Matter or whatever it was? Whatever that gooey right. thing was. Right. And they brought that back to Asgard, then they took that to the, the collector, collector saying, we don't want two of the Infinity Gems together. Right. Right. And and uh, the Red Skull in the first Cap movie yeah. and what have you, always had a quest 
to create or find the Cosmic Cube, and there have been several comic book series where he actually got his hands on it, and, you know, I don't so know. So they just blended. They blended, <laughs> they blended mythos. Yeah. 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 Which is not unusual for the, the movies. They're using shorthand right. a lot of times. Right, and I think that the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is doing a great job of taking 60 years of storylines, culling out the, say, 40 good. Because, I mean, there's going to be some shitty storylines. Oh, yeah. So out of the 60 years of storylines, let's say 40 of them are good, and then condensing it into easily digestible bites. And I, I don't have a problem with that at all. No, especially if they keep going the way they're going. Yeah. I, mean, I I can't remember who said it. Someone said it on a podcast, basically, Marvel, whatever money Chris Evans want, give it to him. Give it to him. Sure. <laughs> you keep this guy. Right. Right. Anything else regarding Quasar? No. I'm. I got all my stuff taken care of. Cool. That was Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. The is... original Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I may take issue with that statement. I okay. think this is the second incarnation. It, well, it's Volume Two, but it's the original. Correct. It's. Charlie 27, Mark Nex, Yondu, uh, what, what's... Vance Astro. Vance Astro, that's mm-hmm. the name I couldn't think of. Who was this chick? That is... Oh, she wasn't in the original 70s version. She, uh, crap, she is the, I believe she and, and Starhawk are, like, two halves of the same coin. Correct, yes, that's yeah. what I recall. Yeah. Okay, so, neat. All right, guys, hey, thanks for listening to us. I got nothing else. You guys got anything? No, I think we can wrap it up there. Thanks for the education. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Oh. Uh, Gene, where can they write to us? Because you know how much I love listener mail. All right. We can, you can send us an email at quantum.bands at yahoo.com, or you can head on over to our Facebook page, and you can like and comment over there. Don't look at me. I'm done. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm I want to make sign. sure that you didn't sign up for Twitter without me knowing about it. <laughs> Twitter. You can. <laughs> no. No. All right. I got well, better things to do. We'll see you next time, everyone. Goodbye. Take care now. Thank you for listening to the Quantum Cast, your source for all things Quasar. You can find us on the web at quantumbands.blogspot.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Google Plus under Quantum Bands. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, please email us at quantum.bands at yahoo.com. Part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network.